So I'm here with Anne Pringle Burnell, and I'm explaining to Anne that I interview people who make their living or their life with an art, and it's clear to me that you make at least some of your living, maybe your life, with the art of performing, singing, would I be accurate? Yes, I, I make, uh, I don't know what the percentage is, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm a professional singer. Yes. Right, yes. right, good. Okay, so I only ask one question. Okay. And it is, as it regards this art to which you are giving some percentage of your life, Yes. Um, can you remember, can you tell me the very first time in your life when this appealed to you, you found yourself singing, people said, gee, you have a sweet voice, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You're nodding your head, so thank you very much. Yeah. What is it? So the first time I, I felt like I wanted to do, I aspired to be an actor. We would make up plays, put on musicals, sing, and perform. One would listen to my friends and I. And how old were you when you were doing that? Probably like... 11 or 12, you know, and, you know, in summer camp, we would appear in different productions, and, uh, you know, that was just the highlight of it. I mean, always making up stories, making up things, you know. Okay, so it really it doesn't start with singing by itself. No. Mm -mm. It starts with performing. Right. Okay, so do you remember liking it, caring about it, being interested in it? Yeah, I do remember. It's funny that you brought it up, because I remember the the idea of like coming up with a story and then building on it oh yeah and then they went here oh yeah and then we did over there you know so just the story building on it and it growing and that creative process with other kids you know? this is really interesting because i would have thought that a child who was turned on by this mm -hmm. would be interested in playwriting or stories or right. something like that so did you have those interests or you didn't, or well, I went. I went to school for theater. Whoa, so. whoa, whoa! Now, now, <laughs> I jumped ahead too far. Yeah, you did, because there is an evolution to yeah, this, there is. Right? right? So, some things have happened before you did that. So, were you in plays in school? Did, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Did your family like it? Think it was a good idea? Wonder what you were doing? In, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> so. I'll say that my mom was supportive, so supportive of everything I wanted to try, even though it was completely foreign to her. You know, she came to every little show that we did or every little, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and then even when I went to college, she drove across the state to see every show. Um, and they, my parents were both like kind of uh, fundamentalist Christians. So they were like the theater and that whole scene was not really... Uh, accepted by them, you know, but they still, you know, my mom definitely supported me 100%. She still supports every single thing I do. Well, yeah, this is pretty extraordinary. Mm -hmm, it is. It, one might have expected that such parents would have frowned down, on, yeah. right, at right. the very least, yeah. right? So you were very lucky. Yeah. And also it's interesting that a child like you comes from that. Yeah. You know? So, okay, so this is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that there's a childhood that's essentially filled with this stuff that you are really getting off on, yeah, right? Yeah, Do you take any classes? Do you, do you... Yeah, you... there was a, there was a, um, a youth theater mm -hmm. in Kalamazoo where I grew up from age seven on, 
and um, there was a Kalamazoo something youth theater, mm-hmm. and they did you know a summer ho- productions like um, repertory. Mm-hmm. And wow! <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, and it was a big deal. And I got cast in one of the first um, shows. I think I might have been fourteen or something like that. And uh, so, like my first experience on stage was was then, you know. Uh, I got my first job at 14 as well. I was an ice cream scooper, so. <laughs> you were a good girl. You were a good girl. Okay, so it's real interesting. So, th- so one would have thought with all of this mm-hmm. that we would be looking at an acting career at the very least or a playwriting career or right. something. I did, I did go that path. Okay, sure. so, yeah. so at some point you say, I'd like to do this with my life to yourself mm-hmm. if nobody else, right? right? And then your family says, okay, fine, major in theater? Yeah. Amazing. I know. Really amazing. You, uh, you know how lucky you are, right? I know. Yeah. I know. Okay, so you major in theater. Mm-hmm. So what are you thinking you're going to do then? After? Yeah. You know, I don't think anyone who goes into the arts and then studies in school ha- really thinks about any kind of supplemental career. Maybe they should, you know. Um, you know, should I, if I can't really perform and act in plays and, and sing and... Um, maybe I'll have business uh, minor or something like that, and I didn't do that. So, um, so I don't know. I mean, I think that's probably good advice to kids nowadays. But, but um, no, I think <clears throat> you're right. I think almost nobody does that unless their parents absolutely say we won't them, pay for yeah. this unless you have. Yeah, right. So, uh, so after acting school, I d- tried to decide if I was going to do uh, a grad school or um, start a theater with some very creative, you know, very creative people in Chicago or New York. We, those were our two, you know, places where we decided we were going to start a small theater company. And um, <clears throat> so I was kind of investigating all that and while auditioning, uh, some of the kids that I was, you know, working with and planned this thing with went off and did go to grad school or um, uh, went into the profession, directly into the profession. So. So that kind of dispersed that little team of, of creatives, you know, uh-huh. and they were, we were a hotbed in college together. So, so after that, I started auditioning in Chicago and every single time, mind you, I was like 20, what are you when you get out of college? I was 22. So I was getting called back for like the leading lady parts with other 40 year olds. So it would be right. Wow. Right. So it was that type of character that they saw me as, um, you know, that, I don't know, strongly, yeah, <laughs> you know, mature. Lady, mature lady, right? Right, right. But, uh, but I was only, you know, so every single time I was up against the same actresses, we were all called back to the, for the same jobs, and I never got it, you know? Um, so at some point, I was waitressing in Chicago to hold the fort down, and uh, there were two piano players there, and I started singing with them, you know, just kind of on a whim. Well, I know a couple of tunes. I knew like three songs, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and I had sung in church, choir, and stuff like that, and I had sung in productions, but just background, you know, chorus stuff. And uh, and so these piano players encouraged me. They took me around to uh, hear all the old guys in, in Chicago to hear all the standards they were playing in the Gershwin, the Porter, the, in, to hear the artistry. And so I got to know all these old piano men or the masters and piano women that were playing in Chicago. And it was such a great dive into that material that I fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any money, really, so I would just have, like, one glass of a champagne or something and just sip it all night long. Can I have more water, please? <laughs> um, but I learned a lot. And if the place was slow, 
these guys would say, hey, come on over here, let me show you something. This is called back phrasing, or this is called da-da-da. So I got my... Wow, I got, this is your training. This was my training. So Amazing. that really happened after college. Wow. And then I got, you know, well, I'm going to go into the jazz realm and mm -hmm. try to sit in with these guys who really wanted instrumentalists to sit in. They would make the vocalists, like, wait till the very last song of the evening. To, you know, They were hardcore bebop guys, you know? Uh -huh. So they were just making sure that I really didn't know where one was or the head was, you know, you know what I mean? it was just really, and I just had to hold my own. I got my first gig singing. A pianist gave me his, he's like, I'm going out on the road on tour. You, you know, I'd been sitting in with him in a blues bar and he said, you can have the gig. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to put a band together. <laughs> I have to learn more songs. Uh -huh. So um, I put an ad in the little newspaper which was called the reader in chicago and uh i got like a you know a guitarist and a and a drummer and a and a pianist wow so, yeah so we had like this we rehearsed and and we took over the blues bar gig that's amazing yeah and so then are you thinking yeah this is what i want to do well there was an interesting thing that happened it, it was interesting to me because as I started to approach that material that the pianists were teaching me and that the songs from the 40s and 50s, and I, um, I started singing them and, you know, I realized that you have to be yourself. You're, you're relating, like, everything. You're, you're bringing your whole life experience to these songs. And so when you're singing a phrase, if you're really honest about it, it's going to be from you. For, you know, the lyric is going to be truly from you could be you being uh, satirical. It could be you being um, really, uh, you know, longing or sad, or it could be, you know, you're making fun of it or anything. You can, you know, turn a phrase. But but <clears throat> I was really enjoying being myself mm -hmm. and singing rather than being a character in a play. Ah. You see. Yes, singing I do. Singing someone else's feelings. Yes, I do. That's an interesting take on it, and I think that a lot of singers don't do that. Oh. They don't know it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so great, okay. Yeah. So you made a discovery that, that this way of being in the world, this thing which you can, that I'm assuming, not to clear, how much you were enjoying the singing, yeah. Right, and then you get to do this other thing, which is really express yourself. Right, and that that's really right. seductive. Right. <laughs> well, that that's a way. That's a whole different level, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're actually sharing with the world, right, your own yes. uh, experience, everything you bring to the table, and whatever conflicts and things that you need to work out in your life, you're actually expressing. It's really like really being right here in the here and now. Yes. And um, so, so I started to enjoy that. And I actually said to my acting friends, you know, like, I really like being myself on stage. So many actors do it because, so they don't have to be themselves. Right. So they can lose themselves in someone else. Yeah. That's the thing. Right. So, so uh, I started just, you know, getting gigs. And I remember, um, well, I had that one little blues bar gig. And then I, I remember starting to put together like a, a show. There was a fancy club in town called Boombala. And uh, it had a grand piano and like kind of um, three quarters of the place would wrap around, you know, stage and the thrust stage and you can get a whole band on there. And uh, <laughs> so I put together like a bunch of my best songs mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, got ne negotiated a contract there. 
and um and then I did you know the little press release you know did all, <laughs> wrote it all sent it to all the people and made postcards you know like you're, you're really producing your yeah. own yeah yeah show you know and I I got a call from the uh, Chicago Tribune guy and um there's a backstory to this he heard me in a, in a singing contest and I was the waitress at club I was the last person that they the judges heard and um this writer from the Tribune was there he was one of the judges and he told me at the end of the night, like, you're wasting your life as a waitress. <laughs> so I said, oh, really? Okay. You know, I, I filed that away. So then, you know, fast forward to my first show at Bumbala, and I invited him, and he actually wrote back to me, and, or in those days, I guess he actually called me <laughs> and said, was there no email? Um, he said, you know, uh, uh, I'm coming to the show. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, my God, I'm so nervous, you know. But I, I put a little, like, champagne, you know, thing on his table. Nice. and Like, so that I would make sure that I treated him well. But, um, you know, I did all my best numbers that I had rehearsed with the guys and got a sax player. And, uh, and so, uh, anyway, he wrote, like, a big article in the Tribune. And so that was kind of like the birth of, yes. like, oh, I'm switching careers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> switching careers now. And so, how long ago was that? It was 1987, I think. Okay, so, yeah. so you've been doing this now, I can't do the math. 32 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, okay, so that is clearly a career. Yeah. Okay, so do you want to talk about how you met Mark and how that got started? And then I'll ask him. <laughs> okay. I had a contract with the, uh, a boat in Chicago, <laughs> one that goes from Navy Pier up and down the Lake Michigan. People sing and do dinner parties and stuff like that. I had a contract there um, as a band leader. And so I was singing there. It was like five nights a week. And um, and then I also had to book lunches too. So it could be seven. I don't know. It was insane job. And um, you could never be late because the boat would leave without you. <laughs> so <laughs> all the waitresses and waiters sang right. and stuff. But I was a singer in the band. And the leader. So, um, and I, Mark asked me out. He was like, substitute for the substitute <laughs> <laughs> piano player for the band upstairs. And so um, I was doing a little record at the time, and <clears throat> my producers were, were one of the substitutes. And he was like, you should go downstairs and harass Pringle on your breaks. The story all about, right, all right. He asked me out all right. So you guys are based in Chicago? Yeah. Okay. And actually, why don't you talk about what you're doing now with the Chicago Cabaret? In, a, in the year 2000, there was a, um, a cabaret, international cabaret conference that was at the Eugene O'Neill Theater in Waterford, Connecticut. And they would get mm, a lot of Broadway people, a lot of music directors from all over the place. And Mark and I sort of had an act by then, and we were, you know, singing and playing together. And um, we were curious about this cabaret thing, and we auditioned for this conference. They only take like 30 uh, people, and they really hadn't taken a duo before, and so they didn't really know what, you know, how to deal with it, Um, but anyway, we we both went as fellows, so anyway, we got inundated with that training, it was a 10-day boot camp type thing where you just woke up and did nothing but this, you know, every single day, and you worked with all these master teachers, like Margaret Whiting, Mm -hmm. um, Julie Wilson, I mean, just amazing people. And um, 
and they just kind of honed your storytelling skills, uh, whether you could really um, convey the story, convey mm-hmm. the emotion, can make them feel something, you know, mm-hmm. with the music. Right. And that's really... That's what diff- you wanted anyway. Yeah, that, that, was, is, that was really blending my two crafts, my mm-hmm. music and my acting right, together. Right, you right, know? Right, 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 right. So, um, so we took to it, and, uh, and so we started doing cabaret shows in Chicago. We would open them there, and then we would take them to New York. We did about five years back and forth of that, and just kind of honing this. And cabaret shows just means that it's, it's an intimate space, usually, um, although we've done them in major 500-seat theaters, too, um, but it also means that that the uh, people are like what they call breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. So they're they're reaching out to the audience. They may actually talk with the audience, you know, on stage. So, so it's very much more like a concert, you know, things not like theater. And um, so <clears throat> we started doing that, and um, we were also founding members of this organization in Chicago called the Chicago Cabaret Professionals. And we wanted to have a group like the Manhattan People, which was called the Manhattan Association of Cabarets. And so we're like, let's do it. We can just, you know, have the same group here. And, you know, we would meet in people's basements or living rooms and like-minded people, you know. So uh, fast forward 20 years later, the organization is a not-for-profit, and it's been going 20 years. We just had our 20-year celebration, like, last year. Um, And... uh, I can't believe that it's survived this long, but it's this the difference between this organization and the and the uh, New York one is that the members actually run the whole organization, vote for their board of directors. We try to raise money and stuff, but there's not really any artistic director telling us you know what to do. And um, so, so we, what is the event that's coming up? Oh my gosh! Well, so we were always doing you know, big productions, we found that when we worked all together, like if singers and artists can organize, man, you have a lot bigger voice. Ah. You know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. the big thing I would tell people. So when we banded together and we're like, well, let's each do three numbers in the show and let's do, you know, we're going to make a tribute to the Gershwins Mm -hmm. and tell about their story. And so we started approaching theaters when they were having their dark nights, like Mondays, they're usually off or... Mm -hmm. Or Sunday nights, <clears throat> and um, we started doing big productions like that in these theaters, mm-hmm. and, and they would put it on their series, and it was very successful. So that's why we kind of branched into bigger shows. So last year, uh, a group of little cabaret organizations, like a charitable one called Acts of Kindness Cabaret, um, a, a French, uh, they have a Paris connection. We went to Paris with them this September. Working in concert, um, they are made up of the Cabaret Connexion and uh, also Bellissima Opera, and the Cabaret Project, which is more um, uh, burlesque mm-hmm. and drag, and then um, Chicago Cabaret Professionals. So four not-for-profit organizations had coffee together and wine, and we decided, hey, what if we make like a festival? And we'll call it Chicago Cabaret Week. And we'll just kind of oversee it. We'll invite all these venues to be part of it. And we'll invite all these artists to submit their shows, like mm-hmm. shows they've already done that had good reviews and stuff like that. And we'll, you know, vet everything. And we'll present it to the venues. And the venues will just kind of handpick the shows they want. <laughs> it was a big dream. My friend, uh, 
Claudia kind of came up with it. And, um, and, and so venues are not used to chasing the artists, right? Right. <laughs> so that's they, right. They, that's they, right. We were kind of made, turning the river yeah, direction, right? Right, right. <clears throat> so we did it. We made the big website with everyone's shows and information and stuff. And then the venue contacted the artist. It was like they went shopping. Oh, that's amazing. So they went shopping and they were like, well, I want, you know, the one of these. London shows, <laughs> I want this. And so right. they contacted the artist and there was a little scramble, like who could get the artist, you know? <laughs> right. <clears throat> but it was, it was well organized. They had about two months to, to do their shopping and some of them needed some handholding, like, you know, are you gonna pick your shows or what, do you, what can we do to help you? And um, so after that, then we let the artists know which venues were involved. They could go after venues that hadn't booked yet. Mm-hmm. And so that all the process, you know, was like all this summer. We wrote a grant for this. We didn't get the first uh, grant. But um, anyway, we got the attention of the Tourism Board of Chicago. And they yeah. thought, this is kind like, of an interesting idea. Yeah. <clears throat> and so they came on board as our sponsor. Wow. So they're our media sponsor, um, and they also uh, invested some money for um, the printing of the materials and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. And we've right. been meeting with them for a year, and it's been really exciting. And <clears throat> about, I don't know, June or July, they said to us, well, you guys, m- there might be something going on next year that could be really good for you. <laughs> and like, we can't tell you what it is yet. <laughs> and I go, oh, okay. So we still meet with them, and we're doing all this work. And then uh, it came out that uh, the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, and the commissioner, Mark Kelly, had decided to call next year, or this year, 2020, the year of Chicago music. And this will be the first time that Chicago is, they call it, turning the spotlight on Chicago artists. So it will be a huge collective effort with funding, with advertising, with the tourism board, with everything, shining a light on all that we have to offer in Chicago. Wow. Now, everyone knows what New Orleans has to offer. Right. Everyone knows, you know, like... Uh, what New York has to offer. What New York has to offer, right. right? They really don't know where to find this type of music in Chicago or any type of music. And so, and the other thing about Chicago is that we had, you know, the blues guys were over here. The house guys were over here. The gospel people were here. And all our festivals were separated by genre like mm-hmm. that. Right. And they still are. But this was the first time they called us all together. Wow. Every musician. Every producer. Every club. Every presenter. Every uh, uh, agent who represents artists. Yes. Um, from big to small. So Grammy to, you know, just starting out. God. Plus we have a legacy committee of people researching of all, all our history that we have in Chicago, like Chess Records and stuff. So, so this is going to be when we were all in the room together. <laughs> and I was at a table of 12 people from the Sinfonietta to rap. I, my hair on I'm my... sure. Talk about being in your, in your community with, with your <laughs> homies. Yeah. Yeah. It was like we were at the city of Chicago's uh, cultural center, and we were supposed to come up with ideas of the themes of next year. And I was so excited, and I've been on fire ever since about mm-hmm. this whole project. So now Chicago Cabaret Week opens next month. 
because we planned it like six months before they decided to have the Euro Shakam. It's really made us aware as a musical community of the pockets of underserved communities. Wow. And so everyone's like on the same page that we want to really cultivate um, some things on the south and west side of Chicago. So where are you in this? So I joined the board and then I am currently the president of Chicago Cabaret. And I am working with these other three organizations. You know, we have the Cabaret Week happening starting March 20th through 30th. And it's in, it's 46 shows we have booked. Oh my God. In 10, in 11 days with 18 venues, participating venues. Right. And they're all over Chicago. And um, Choose Chicago, the tourism board, has built a website that's launching today um, of all the shows that you can get tickets to. And yeah, why don't you say what the website is, if it's, you know? It's uh, chicagocabaretweek.org. And um, also chicagocabaret.org is just the... Um, the not-for-profit supporting this art form, and um, you can be a friend or a member or anything. You can just sign up for the mailing list and find out more about the shows. Okay, you don't have to live in Chicago. No. Okay. Mm -mm. All right. So, I have one final question. Okay. And it is, having given as much of your life as you have to, to music, to performing, to cabaret, what would you say about what that's like or what it means to you or what you think about it? Okay. Um, so I, I'm going to go back. When, when I was working in all the nightclubs and all and the boat and you know, all these weddings and doing all the contra contracting work, um, you know, a lot of the music scene changed, and we, and we did morph into cabaret, so we were able to change with that scene. And so it didn't matter if a lot of the jazz clubs closed, because mm. I was still working in the theaters mm -hmm. and on off nights. Like we said, we were still producing our own group shows and, um, and then taking our own theme shows to New York. So I feel like we didn't really get hit with a with a recession kind of that happened to music clubs as much. And we definitely do a boatload of private parties, you know, at racket clubs and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like you really have to be clear that you are on this mission to share your art form. You have to be very clear that you're an artist. And so um, four years ago, we went to Panama with a group of people in my other career, we ended up singing at the resort there, which we just did this year too. Mm -hmm. And these people all of a sudden were like at, at the resort, um, you know, I stood up just like I did in Paris with no microphone right next to the piano and everyone just came closer, you uh -huh. know? So, I was reminded again that like, yes, really spending time on this and really creating art is the most important thing. It was rewarding to be seen as an artist and it's, it's how you have to approach your, you know, your life to the world. You can't just say, oh yeah, I'm a, like my hobby is singing and it doesn't ever feel like that. So on my tax records, maybe I make, you know, a third of my money this way and two thirds of this money, you know, but on my how much time and how much um, joy and love and life force that I feel, yeah. you know, is... That's a great place to stop. Yeah. Thank you so much, Anne.